On this episode of the Retire ASAP podcast, we are going to talk about the year in review, 2022 recap, and maybe a little bit of the outlook in 2023. It's time for the Retire ASAP podcast. Here's your host, Taylor Fike. Welcome to the Retire ASAP show, where our goal is to get you free from work as soon as possible. My name is Taylor Fike, and with me, my trusty co-host, Brad, the dad, Fike. What's up? Yo, 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 Merry Christmas. Yeah, yo, yo, yo. Don't you mean ho, ho, ho? Or? Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah but you know, that can be taken the wrong That's direction like the 90s, too. the 90s Santa is like yo, yo, yo versus the. Uh, yeah, the that's ho, what ho. I meant. Yeah. yeah, yo, yo, yo. I got to do it shorter, don't I? I'm picturing Santa Claus with like some real cool sunglasses and his hat sideways, you know, yeah. like on his head. Oh, yeah. And instead of ho, 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 it's yo, yo, yo. Yeah, has he got like real high platform shoes, too? Or no, Yeah, sure. Is that 90s? Well, I feel that was like 80s. that was a little bit before that the 90s, 80s, probably. 70s and 80s see i'm a 90s kid i was born in 92 so i maybe i should have aged myself in this podcast i just lost a lot of respect from our older listeners who are going what's this kid know about anything he was born in the 90s yo 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 you know <laughs> what's up that was a big 90s what's up, thing man <laughs> well anyway welcome to our episode we're gonna talk a little bit about uh the year in review it's been a roller coaster ride 2022 has been something hasn't it well it's been a downhill roller coaster ride <laughs> that's for sure well, that's the best part of the roller coaster right maybe yeah. not in investing but in real life well you know it's an opportunity you got to look at it that way if you're a if you're a market a long-term market investor this has been a phenomenal year to get in it's and true. The, the the problem now is is it great opportunity or is there potential more downside to it that's that's, a, that's Man, a big question did you get your crystal ball out for this i should have brought it in here today i guess no one's getting any prognostications then, i huh? quit using it uh quite a while ago this year because it was never right <laughs> maybe the batteries were dead or something that's probably well no there's it, it runs on natural spiritual power oh spiritually yeah it, maybe there was just wasn't enough ghosts in the room i don't to... think the universe was giving it any power <laughs> so i don't know what's going on there well when we look at this year there's been a lot that's happened right and we, we can look back at the beginning of the year where valuations for most companies were at the peak that they've ever been. When we look at most people's portfolios on investments, if they had a diversified portfolio, their high water mark was January 1. They were at the, the peak of the excitement at that point. And then we've just kind of ridden this roller coaster right on down the hill for a lot of reasons. You got the Russia-Ukraine, we got inflation, we got the Fed raising rates, we got the real estate market kind of fluctuating a little bit just because those rates are going up. You had a midterm election this year. I mean, there's just so much going on, and it's all packed into one year. And then at the end, we're going, boy, I feel like I just got punched right in the gut. The wind is just taken out of my sails when it comes to investing. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been like you say, roller coaster ride for sure. And not just in the markets, but just like you say, everything wrapped around it. Well, and two, not just stocks. And I think we've had this issue with our clients and we have these conversations is the bond market sucked too. Well, and you look at the bond market uh, the year before it started, it declined the year before about one to 2% on average, let's say. Which isn't unheard of for a bond market. A one to two percent decline in no. a bad year is pretty pretty casual yeah. and, and normal. And nobody saw this year coming with the bond market. I mean, nobody predicted the bond market to go down as high. Uh, some of the stuff I saw, fund mutual fund wise, were down fourteen percent. I yeah. mean, ETF or bond funds, any any type of those funds. Some, I mean, if you looked at the average, if you look at the indexes, they were down a little over fourteen percent. 
unheard of. Which, Never did that in 08, the great financial crisis. Exactly. I think I was looking at a chart from uh, American Funds, which is a group that we use for some of our investments. They had a chart that said this is the largest decline in bond valuation in the last 40 years since 1977. And so you think about what was going on in 1977, though, same exact environment exactly. with high inflation. And so it's it's weird. It's an anomaly that uh, the stock market is struggling in the same year that the bond market is struggling. Because in most cases, bonds have been such a big diversifier. But that And that's just one of the, the big pieces that's going on here. So what I wanted to do, Brad, is I want to kind of dive into each one of these little things and just do a little brief summary of each one of the little pivots that have happened throughout the year. And it's not going to be on a timeline by any means. It's not going to be like, this happened in January and then this in February. I just want to touch on some of the bigger topics and get a little bit of your view and your opinion. Yep. And then I want to wrap this whole thing up with, what's it going to be like next year? What are we kind of looking at? And I know that's guessing into the future, and none of these are are going to be predictions as to what are your returns going to be and where should you be invested because that's going to make you the most money. They're going to be more general ideas of what does 2023 look like? Are we going to get punched in the gut again? Are we going to start seeing something change? Are we going to adjust on the fly? What are, what's going to be some of that stuff? So okay, let's start off with Russia, Ukraine, because that was the beginning of the year. Timeline-wise, that was kind of the big thing that struggled the most because we go... As we were ending the year in 2021, a lot of the talk of the inflation was, they were calling it transitory, right? Yeah. Which means transition. That's what that that transitory is. Short term. It's the short term transitory inflation because we had a government and economy shut down for COVID. Then we had all these supply chain issues for a whole year and a half and still have some of those. They're getting cleaned up a little bit this year, but still having some of those. And so this inflation is just because the supply wasn't there and people weren't working and things are just all a mess. So that's the transitory thing. It didn't stick that way. And what the real teetering point was when Russia invaded Ukraine at the beginning of the year, that threw the energy markets in Europe and, you know, the eastern side of Europe as well as like the northern side of Asia through the energy markets into a huge loop. Yeah, right. And, uh, you know, this is what the Fed was saying. It's transitory. It's transitory. We're not going to do anything about it. And uh, uh, and there was a lot not. A massive amount, but a lot of the money managers that we were listening to kept going, we don't think this is transitory, right. but the Fed did. And so they, they waited too long. They should have jumped on the raising interest rates last year before the end of last year. We'd be further ahead where we're at now if they would have. It, it got too far out of control too quickly. And uh, so here we are, right? And they're still going to be probably raising them throughout, you know, part of next year. We'll talk about that a little bit. What what some of the expectations are nobody knows the future though right i mean we nobody i don't care what guys on tv tells you what's going to happen next year he has no clue any more than you who are listening or me that's talking i mean we don't know we curveballs it's you know we don't know what kind of curveballs will sling be slung at us so um but back to the ukraine war that really did you're right that was the knee-jerk reaction that kind of set things off and I think the Fed at that point was ready to start raising interest rates. Before sure. that, they started to realize that, whoops, we've waited a little bit too long here. Right. And so with Russia invading Ukraine, there was some global turmoil. We were wondering, what is the U.S. going to do to get involved in this? You know, are they going to have boots on the ground military? Uh, they ended up just choosing to do more of a economic approach and the putting sanctions. a bunch of, bunch of yeah. sanctions on yep. there, standing up and siding with Ukraine and 
trying to have that conversation. Um, and I think a lot, I think there's a lot more going on behind the scenes that isn't announced, you know, with money and weapons and things like that. But either way, that was a big piece. Cause we, we looked at that and I remember having conversations of going, man, this could be world war three, you know, Russia might've decided to start the battle that the whole world's going to have to get involved in because with Russia having such a source of natural gas for the entire European continent, this is a big deal. If they're going to decide, and what they did is when Europe and the United States started putting sanctions on Russia, Russia said, okay, we can play that game too. Started raising the prices of energy in Europe, which has caused them to go into a recession pretty much throughout this year because the it's just a complete economic slowdown with the cost of what inflation has been and things going on over there. So this that whole piece was kind of the catalyst of what started the markets tipping into the wrong direction for the year. And then we go into like what we were talking about with the Fed and the raising of interest rates. They waited too long. My conspiracy theory, I have nothing to back this, but I think it makes a lot of sense common sense wise. I wonder how much of a political influence happened that the Fed waited longer and longer and longer because when a new administration en- enters the office, and this doesn't matter whether it's Democrat or Republican, they want that first year of stock market returns to look really darn good. Whether, now, whether or not the, the politics side of things has any effect in the stock oh, market. Oh, I'm I, I pretty sure it does. It, it's so funny. Like, it, you know, whatever the Biden administration has chosen to do, it really has very little effect on how the companies are going to make their profits. But one thing that has a huge effect on it is how much money can companies borrow at what rate? And so the Fed has a massive impact on what the companies can do. And so I'm wondering if, you know, as the administration comes and says, hey, hold off on raising those. I know it's going to be bad. I know inflation's a thing, but give me at least 12 months to get my feet under me and give me some good stock market returns so that when I'm going into this second year of my term and we have a midterm election coming up, then I can at least go back on what was really good. You know, I think there was some of that going on. The Fed kind of kicked the can down the road a little too far. But then they had to start doing those aggressive rate hikes, and that started in spring of this year. That's an ugly situation. When you, when the Fed has to aggressively raise rates, that's when the market starts panicking because of, like what I said, when interest rates start going up, large corporations do a lot of their business on credit. They are borrowing money to function, whether they're funding new projects or whether they're borrowing just to create inventory and supply. Those things are all going on behind the scenes on a daily rate. They're borrowing money daily and repaying it daily. There's all kinds of stuff going on there. So as that daily rate goes up from the Fed, that trickles down to whoever's loaning money to those companies. Now expenses are going up for no reason. The expenses to create a product, the expenses to do things and ship a product, those things are going up astronomically as those rates are increasing astronomically. So now we have this danger, and this is what happened in in March, is people are worried, what does that look like if a company has to slow down because the expenses are too much for them to function and create the profits that they expected they were going to create? Yeah, and and that's really the whole gist of why they do it in the first place. They want to slow... Uh, spending down so that what they do is let's say those corporations uh, cost goes up so they pass it on to the consumer so now the consumer's paying more and to borrow money for a house or a car or anything that you need to borrow money on uh, interest rates are way higher so the consumer stops buying those or slows down and buying those or puts it off to a later date so that's why they're worried about a recession happening next year is you know the, the brakes are put on the consumer is the one who's going to put the brakes on because they can't afford to do it, as well as some corporations. I'm sure their budgets for next year are, are geared down sure. uh, as far as spending. And then what the Fed is waiting to see, and this is what doesn't make sense, is they want to see the unemployment rate go up. 
And we haven't seen that yet. Mm -hmm. Unemployment's still strong. And I think it's because we have a a very small labor force compared to what it was pre-COVID, which I still can't figure where all those people are at. But anyhow, uh, so we have a low unemployment rate, and they... That's a sign that the economy is slowing down, uh, and that's what they're looking for. And I have a feeling they're going to keep raising rates till they see that flatten out at least. And I think you're going to start seeing some of that because there's been announcements from some larger corporations that are doing layoffs in the in the first quarter of next year. And I I just saw uh, a media company. I think it was uh, the the New York Post. Maybe I, don't quote me on that one. But one of the media companies is doing a major layoff of journalists. And that's gonna you're gonna see that continue as these rates go up and production starts slowing down because it gets more expensive to produce things and they can't pass the buck onto the consumer because eventually there's a point where the consumer decides I don't want to pay that much for that item. So now they're in this point where okay, how do we cut expenses? Because we can't cut them on the borrowing side. Well, maybe we're gonna have to lay off employees as that unemployment starts going up. The, the unemployment rate goes up in percentage, that's when you're starting to call it a recession, right? We've already seen the, the negative GDP um, year over year. We've seen that go down and trickle down. The problem is, is that there's still people working, and that's not a problem in my mind, but in the idea of what we're trying to do to lower inflation, that becomes a problem in the Fed's mind. So yeah, once we start seeing that tick up, which could be early next year, you may see the Fed start slowing down on those interest rate rises. But again, until they see the data, which... The data is so lagging, which is the hard part, right? Yeah. That the unemployment data is always months after what's going on in reality. You know, they're they're talking about thirty or sixty days ago when they're reading their reports, not what's happening today. So a lot of the problem with this whole figuring out how to do the rate raises is, yeah, we're dealing with two months ago information, but yet today people are hurting or having struggles or companies are hurting because of decisions that we're holding off on making. Investors are hurting on those types of things. So this is this is the whole bureaucracy of a large economy, like what you're dealing with with the United States and a global economy, is there's pain for short periods or longer periods of time because we're waiting on that information to become clear to make the next decision. And that's just, it's no fun. Right. And and also in the labor force, uh, wages are way up. So, right. and it's just common sense to know, and this is why people fight raising the minimum wage and things of that sort, is as wages go up, Okay, that just creates inflation because now each these people working that were making 10 bucks an hour are now making 15 bucks an hour. Right. Right. So what are they going to do? They're going to spend more money, which is going to create more demand, Mm -hmm. which puts more pressure on supply. So and it's historically every time, you know, the the talk in the government is that we're going to you know raise minimum wage and, you know, business people complain. They go, well, you know, I'm going to pass that on to the consumer. And so it's a big circle. It's a vicious circle. The more you make, the more cost of goods are going to be for the end product. And, you know, go to McDonald's now. I mean, well, they're paying 15 bucks an hour maybe for a, a for a regular job there, but you go look at the price of uh, anything on their menu, it's way up. So yeah. that's just one example. And so that's that's another issue that's going on this past year since COVID, really, that's created this other inflation side of it too. Sure. Well, and, and if we go back over the last couple of years as well, you look at that, individuals had the highest saving rates in history, especially my generation, highest saving rates in history during COVID. A lot of a lot of individuals didn't need the stimulus. Now, I shouldn't say a lot. A, a good group of individuals didn't need the stimulus. The majority of people that did need it, they used it and they survived on it. But for those who didn't use it, they saved it. 
And what we saw there was this massive amount of influx of cash for families who were, you know, middle class to upper middle class that were able to spend on things that were luxury, boats, RVs, campers, those types of things that were their big spend, new car, those, those big ones that they said, well, I didn't have this 10 grand before, but because my wife and I, and we got this tax deduction, all this stuff, like we, we have an extra 10 grand laying around. Let's go buy that toy that we thought we, you know, we couldn't afford and they go and buy it, which is fine. But that's all contributing to some of this inflation where it's like when there is flexibility and there's margin in people's budgets, now they're going to pay for the goods that they want, which lowers the supply which then a company says, okay, well, now I don't have as much of it, so I'm going to charge more because people will pay me more to get it because they can't find it anywhere else. And now all of a sudden you see those inflation rates spike. What we're starting to see, and I just saw a report on this, is that saving rates for people, including my generation, have been at an all-time low. So right. we spiked, and now we're going in the opposite direction. And we're credit not card anything. debt is up. Credit card debt is at an all-time high right. for my generation. And so you look at that, you go, that's the danger of what we're playing with here. It's a tightrope to walk. You know, we want to have, and the Fed says inflation's healthy. It's just not hyperinflation is healthy. Fed wants a 2 to 3% inflation rate. They want to hold it right there because they want the cost of goods to rise at the same rate that people are earning and wa- their wages are rising. We want those to all be in line together so that over time, people are still earning more money and feeling like they're making positive in, in, future, in their future steps financially. But we don't want them to earn so much money that it puts a strain on the producers that are bringing in the, the goods. And then the goods start going past what people are earning because that can happen. Right. The cost of goods can rise way faster than people's wages do. And so that's the game that the Fed's playing. They waited too long, and now they let the cost of goods get completely out of control. If you've ever traveled in the last year, you understand what I'm saying. Airlines were begging people to get on their planes during COVID. Now all they now all they do is they're offering four, five, six hundred dollars to people at the airport to give up their seat to somebody on standby. How can they afford to do that if they aren't overcharging for your plane flights and overbooking them? So these are the things that the Fed is dealing with, and it's a macro and highly complex thing that all of us little guys on the bottom end of it who are just normal investors with their retirement accounts, we're getting punched in the gut for it because there's just too many things going on. Yeah, and it's going to take a while to wash it out. And that's the hard part, right? And this is the key of what we've been talking about all year. It's the key that we tell our clients whenever we meet with them. It's patience. None of the, inflation doesn't go away in a couple of weeks. Inflation can take months, sometimes years to get rid of. If we look back in the 70s, that was almost a decade of inflation that they wrestled with. It was just short of that. So you look at, wow, a decade of people wrestling. Now, I think the Fed has a little bit more of a handle on how to do that, but that doesn't mean they're going to get rid of it in six months. Yeah, it's they still learned, take they learned from that late 70s into the 80s. Uh, they learned a lot. And they said, I remember after that, I started in 83, so I was at pretty much right in the middle of it, or maybe the back half of it when I started. I didn't know any different at that point. Uh, I was young, you know, you're in your tw- young 20s, the news media wasn't what it is today. Right. You really didn't understand what was going on, or I didn't until I learned, you know, several years later. But, you know, it, they learned, they, I remember them saying, we won't let that ever happen again. Sure. And that was the Fed speaking because they knew they they didn't know what to do really. So yeah. they have the beauty is they have that history to go back and look and go where did we go wrong, and I think this time they they waited too long and because of the COVID thing. Sure. I mean, really, that was the thing that, that stopped supply. That right. was the first issue. 
couldn't get products from and we were we rely too much on the overseas market and when that got bottled up china was shut down that stopped supply and they thought that was going to be the whole problem but in reality it was a whole mess wrapped around that supply issue so let's use that i'm going to use that as a transition into kind of what does this all this mean for 2023. Now, I know we're going to go back and talk about a few more things that happened in 2022, but I want to kind of go into this inflation and Fed talk and supply chain and what kind of what the difference is with companies that are coming up. I know there's there's a lot of things that are still up in the air. So none of this is by any means a prediction of what's going to happen. But what we do see in some of the trends of what's going on, there's some interesting things. You talk about how corporations were really struggling during COVID to get their supplies in because they were getting them from overseas, places like China or other parts of Asia that were locked down because of COVID and they couldn't get supplies in. And then there was issues for us on the United States side receiving the supplies because there was fewer and fewer workers depending on the company and their policies. So there's all that stuff going on. The beauty of what's happened over the last year and a half, I would say, since the beginning of 21, maybe middle of 21, is that companies have reworked their entire supply chain. Instead of having a global supply chain, they have different sorts of things that are regional supply chains now, too. They have backups and fail-safes so that they never have to run into that again. I was talking to a local company here in Worcester um, called the Worcester Brush, which is a major painting company. They make paintbrushes all over the country. And talking to their CEO, the guy that was running, or the president, they were talking about what does our supply look like? Instead of having just-in-time supply, which is a major thing in the manufacturing world, what they would do to stay highly efficient is they would only have enough supply to cover what they were going to, to need to do over the next few months or whatever it was to keep business rolling. They didn't want to spend too much money and have all this inventory and have to pay to store all this inventory until they turned around and sold it. So they would do yeah. just-in-time. Now they have just-in-case supply is what yeah, he said. He good. says, I, I am paying for storage. I am loading up. I will not have a shutdown of my company because I can't get the goods that I need to make our products. He says, I will not run into that. And that changed because of COVID. Because they were fear, they had the fear of laying off employees, which Worcester Brush is a pretty well-known company for not doing layoffs and sticking to their guns and being stable. They wanted to make sure that we are doing what's best for our employees and for our business long-term. So we're going to find a way to store it. We'll pay extra to do that to make sure that happens. But they're getting their supplies from different places too. He says, we have places that are in North America that we're getting these the the stuff for for our paintbrushes that we weren't normally getting it from. And so that's an interesting shift. That's just one company. They're doing that across the board in manufacturing. Yes, that's different true. places, car companies, all kinds of stuff. They're they've run into that supply issue and they're trying to figure out how can I get stuff more local so I'm not dependent on the six weeks it takes to get the one piece of supply that I need to make the next group of cars or the next group of products that I'm producing. So that's an interesting piece right there is the difference of a global supply chain to shrinking it, almost going back in time to saying, I want that more regional or local supply. More centralized uh, I don't uh, want to be <coughs> supply chains. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't want to be dependent on six to 12 week lag times that turn into six to 12 month lag times. And so by doing that, when you bring it back to the U S you're increasing labor costs Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, that adds to the inflation piece once again. Increasing labor costs and demand, which also plays Which into I'm okay the, with. I like bringing that stuff back home. It brings more jobs, it for does. one. But 
it does it's good for our economy but now we're not relying on shipping everything sure but that also plays into the unemployment rate which is why it's so low there's more and more jobs that are existent for small corporations or big manufacturers that didn't exist before because these supply chains are now in their backyard versus on the other side of the world yeah it was cheaper to have it in china but who cares about cheaper if i can't even make the product i'd rather pay more be able to at least make something to sell and that's becoming the issue, right? Yeah, and I don't. That's why uh, I think the unemployment rate hasn't, like you said, hasn't gone up. And why it may be that's usually a factor anytime they're trying to fight inflation. That's a sign that okay, it's working. You know, companies are laying off. It may not be what they think it's going to be this time around. Like that. That's that's my gut check on it. Sure, is that we may not see unemployment move up much but if it flattens out i think that would make them happy as well so So it's hard to say because you know like you said moving forward or talking forward here nobody knows because the fed doesn't even know what they're doing without the fed there's there's uncertainty and as long as there's uncertainty the market's uncertain and that means the market's not going to go crazy until they have more certainty you know they have their expectations but they got to meet those expectations or do better to see the market start to go up. Well, so. and speaking of the markets, a lot of the struggle uh, that's going on in the markets is the market is a predicting factor, right? Yeah, it's ahead of 12, 12 to 18 months. So usually. what the market is doing is it reacts to the news of today, but what it's based off of is what we already know. So right. what if, if we've talked to a lot of money managers and a lot of what they're saying is, the market's assuming that we're going into a recession. The market's assuming that all these things are happening. So the price of these stocks are going lower and lower, assuming that things are going to be bad over the next 6 to 12 months. Now, they, the market doesn't know that's true. And that's why this is the game of being an investor is, yes, it could predict that the next 12 months is going to be bad and we're going to be in this nasty recession. But the reality could turn out to be that, it's only three months of bad, and then all of a sudden things start taking a turn for the positive. The Fed starts lo- lowering the rates again, whatever it is. And now all of a sudden, instead of waiting 12 months, they start ticking up on the stock prices because the market's predicting that, oh, we're coming out of this, so things are going to get good. And that's why it moves so quickly. And sometimes investors forget that. They go, I need to get out of the market when it's bad, and I'll get back in when it's good. Well, the problem is, is that you don't know when it's going to be good because the market's guessing what's going to come next. They're guessing it's going to be good or bad. And so when things feel bad, and this is one of the things if you look historically on stock market increases, when we come out of a down market, it's usually ahead of what the economy is doing. So economic data may still be bad. Companies may still have lower profits. They may have higher rates of unemployment. They may have you know, whatever issues, layoffs and things like that. They may be going through these bad things right now, but the market is predicting that even in the midst of all that, what's good is coming in the future, and the stock market might climb up before those numbers change for the company and the economy. So this is the hard part of investors is they go, I want to get back in when things feel good. Well, when things feel good, you already missed the big curve on the way up because the market Probably predicted 12 months of it. Yeah, and so this is the hard part is you have to stay invested. And this is what we're telling our clients about 2023 is, I don't know. We're probably heading into a recession. All the data shows that. But does that mean that we need to panic? I don't think so. Because even in the midst of a recession, let's say 
unemployment starts finally going up and we start calling it a real recession in January, February, March, whatever it is, and we finally put a term on it and call it that, does the market see the light at the end of the tunnel and start ticking up? Even though we're in the middle of the crap, does the market see the good out of it in the future? And so you can't predict when the market's going to decide that because it's based off of so many variables and factors and different, I mean, billions of people across the world that are putting their input in with their money and their resources, that's when that thing starts ticking up. So you just have to be patient because there's no way to know when the turn is going to happen. And it's not going to feel good when it does happen. It may not look good either. So you can't go, well, I'll do it when it feels right. That's just not the way to handle things. Yeah. And some of the stuff I'm looking at, I think uh, we're not back to lows of where we were in October. So, right. and when it comes back, it isn't going to come back and you're going to go, oh, it's it's back. It's been up for two months. Mm-hmm. It's it's one day here, a couple days down, one right. day up, but it slowly ticks, which it did in November and it started in December slowly but quietly tick a little drop tick up drop up and down without you even really knowing it but if you look at the fund uh returns uh year to date they're not as low as they were in october most of them not all not all segments now if you look at the tech stuff it's still it's down there pretty good right now but but then the fed you know made their comments about well this you know we're going to keep hammering at this next year now we lost some ground a little bit, but we're still not back to October low. So right. I don't know. My gut tells me, and again, I don't know anything, but uh, my gut tells me that January could be a little ugly, but I don't know that we're going to go any lower than we were in October. Sure. This is just my gut feeling. And um, if that's the case, it and it starts ticking up next year, it's not going to be like everybody's going to race to jump back in. It's it's a teaser. You don't know. It doesn't. Yep. It's not a clear picture while it's going up. Is what I want to say. I guess. So, just in review, we're going to wrap this up. What happened this year? We had some major supply chain issues. We had a global conflict that happened with Russia Ukraine. We've had inflation that have been at the highest numbers since the late seventies. We've had a lot of stuff get thrown at us as a country, as an economy, as an investor. These are not new. None of these things are brand new. We've all had them. It's just, unfortunately, it's just like the perfect storm. It all happened at once. And so we're dealing with some major complexity pieces. But the good news is, is that eventually things are going to change. We can't stay in this forever. You know, it may take a long period of time. It's already taken, let's say, 12 months so far in 2022. It may take another 6 to 12 months of next year to get ourselves out of this storm. But the reality is, long term, we're going to make it out of here. I saw a uh, economist, he was talking about how if you look at this type of uh, uh, market movement, we're somewhere between the tech bubble. It's worse than the tech bubble that happened in 2000 but not nearly as bad as the Great Recession that happened in 2008. GFC. The GFC. So the Great Great Financial Financial Crisis. crisis. So we're somewhere in between those. And if we look back at history, both of those, those those two issues, the market bubbles issues, happened in the same decade. So from 2000 to 2010 might be maybe the worst stock market performance in history if you take those 10 years. Well, it's a negative for the S&P 500. If you own the right. S&P 500 index for that exact beginning of the 10 years and the end of the 10 years, you would have lost money. It's the which, only time in history. Which is crazy to think about. But yet, if we, if we, let's say you invested at the peak of all that. Let's say 2007, because that was probably the peak of the market right before the great financial crisis. Yep. Big spot. You're up there at the top. 
If you look at 2007 at your high point all the way to 2020, man, you killed it. And that doesn't even include the 2020 and 2021 numbers where you made double digits probably if you were invested. That just from those numbers right there, the long-term view is the way to look at investing. So maybe it starts next year. Maybe it starts ticking up. We don't know when. So don't panic. Don't get out of the market. We've already seen maybe the worst of it. There may be some more bad to come, but don't panic and get out of the market. Be patient. The money is going to be there. It does. The market does what it does. It always has come back from bad situations, and that's because companies aren't going to stop making profits. Everyone wants to make their money. Big companies, small companies, you as an individual, me as an individual, we all want to make enough money so that our family can eat and we can do the things that we want to do. So that's never going to stop. That that drive as an individual for every single person in our workforce and our economy is still there. People are going to want to continue to make money. So in that case, companies will find a way out of this. And so stay invested in them. Now, that doesn't mean pick individual companies and say, I'm going to bet big on Tesla or I'm going to bet big on whatever it is. That doesn't Amazon. mean Amazon. That doesn't mean double down on one company. What it means is get into a diversified portfolio where you have good quality companies that have good financials and low debt. Be diversified across that broad spectrum of the market because you're going to find that over time, that's what's going to carry you into more wealth over the next 10, 20, 30 years of your life. Yeah, and going back to that first decade, the lost decade of the mm -hmm. S&P 500, none of our clients were, at least that we have our portfolios at that time, were just in the S&P 500. Right. There's a lot of people who buy just the S&P 500. Well, I'm in 500 different companies. Well, that's true, but there's an example of a 10-year loss if you held sure. it for 10 years. And a diversified portfolio, there was other aspects of the market that made money. Right. So if you were diversified, you're making money, even though the S&P didn't. So that's the point of diversification. You can't put your eggs in one basket. You yeah. need, And when we say that, that, that doesn't mean you have multiple accounts and multiple advisors. I mean, I, I get to hear that too all the time. <laughs> well, I want to have several advisors because I just, uh, one of them could go rogue on me. Well, now you got to watch several advisors, not just one. Right. So find one that's trustworthy and stick with one and let them diversify for you. Absolutely. And, uh, but that's always another topic in another day. We could do a, a whole thing on that probably. We but, probably could. Maybe next year we'll do a little bit, uh, we can talk a little bit more about the fraud that's out there and yep. you maybe touch on FTX and the crypto market. That's been uh, quite the circus of a show in this last couple of weeks here. But Well, in the whole year, if you look at crypto, it was supposed to be a diversifier to the stock market, just like gold was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And both of them are down right along with everything else. So that just tells you the sales pitches uh, should quiet down, but they'll they'll be back at they'll it. They'll be once ramped it, up. When it starts coming back up, they'll be saying how such a great diversifier it is. And right. it's not. Whatever. So if you're looking for an advisor, you listen to this, you go, man, that's interesting. I, I need to be investing. I need to start my retirement planning. I I really need to get in on this, especially now. This is the opportunity. I think Brad said at the beginning, the best time to invest is when the markets are down because you're buying at a low valuation. You're buying in at the bottom and you get to ride it up for the next 10, 20, 30 years. So, bye, 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 baby. Yeah, bye, bye. Wait, that's like an NSYNC song. Well, that's a 90s oh, reference. It, do you know NSYNC? Uh, back to 90s again? Yeah, do we you know, started at the 90s. Do you, do you remember NSYNC? They oh, were, yeah. They yeah. were the boy band, Justin Timberlake. Yeah, I was yeah. busy listening to my classic rock and roll, but you know, I, I yeah. remember who it was. Well, yeah. but NSYNC, they were famous for their bye, bye, bye song. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, but 
th- this is bye bye bye. We B- should play that as a background music. B U Y, not B Y E. But um, if, th- if this is something you're looking for, we're taking on new clients. You can head over to our website, fikeadvisors.com. There's a schedule now button in the top right corner. It's free to schedule your first appointment. It doesn't cost you any money. You can come talk to us at our office, or we can do a Zoom or a phone call, whatever's easiest for you. It is the best way for you to kind of get a touch on what am I, where am I at with my finances? What do I need to do with them to get to the next level or move forward in my financial plan? And maybe you're sitting there going, this is the time. I, I'm feeling it. It's the end of the year. I need to get my, my stuff in order for next year. Now's the time to meet with an advisor. We'd love to sit down and talk to you. Any yeah. final thoughts, Brad? Uh, yeah, I say uh, now's the time to buy, not the time to cash out or even to spend frivolous money and have to True. withdraw money out of your accounts because you're selling at a low. Also, if you uh, did Roth conversions, congratulations. It was a great year to do them because the market down. Yes. Government is helping pay for some of that uh, tax. They're going to fund some of that tax because of the the offsets of pricing. Uh, that's we did segment earlier, I believe, on that. So uh, don't forget, though, those had to be done, have to be done by the end of this year. And if you haven't done it, it's probably a little late. You're going to have to rush to get it done for this tax year. But uh, next year, January, markets are still going to be down for a while. It's still a great opportunity going into next year. It would just go towards next year's taxes. So yeah. don't feel like if you didn't get it done this year that you're done with it. It's Next year is going to be a great year for them as well. As long as markets are down, Roth conversions are a potential for you. Definitely yep. make sure you're considering that. So Good. Well, that's all we have for you on our 2022 review and our outlook a little bit for 2023. We won't be back until next year. <laughs> See you next year. <laughs> Get it, get it, even though it's only a couple weeks away. Oh, that's a terrible dad joke. Either way, um, we will start our next episode in January. We'll talk a little bit about um, probably maybe we'll just do a little fraud talk and we'll talk about, you know, some of the dangers of what you can get into and who to trust with investing and the questions to ask the guys that you're talking to just to make sure you're working with a legitimate individual. So maybe we'll jump on that next year. So we'll talk to you guys in 2023. Goodbye. Investment advisory services provided by Fike Advisors, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Please consult a professional before taking any action. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.